we are alive, people. Here we come. We're coming for you. You better watch out, brother. We're coming. We got our guns and we got our trucks and we got our flags. <laughs> Dear <laughs> living, coming right at you. Episode 33. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about religion. Oh, here we go. Uh, finally. We've been thinking about this for a while. But finally, uh, we decided to do it uh, just because... I don't know. Why did we hesitate? Because of a controversy? It's such a... Or? It's pretty controversial. And we have a mm-hmm. lot of listeners that are religious. And again, mm-hmm. so this isn't Pure an attack or criticism necessarily mm-hmm. on those viewers that are religious mm-hmm. or maintain certain beliefs. This is our personal yeah. experience and then also our critical assessment mm-hmm. of religious practices. So we, we just didn't want to, you know, mess up. And not yeah. to say we're not going to mess up because there's still a lot more preparation. This is going to be an ongoing, continual, multi-part mm-hmm. topic, as we've yeah. mentioned in the past with things like friends or love and romance. Right. So this is just part one yeah, in that's numerous a good point. studies mm-hmm. and series with religion being the, the right. primary topic. And, you know, I think inevitably there will be some criticism um, as well as benefits, advantages of uh, religion but uh, at least it won't be done in um, uh, a resentful way, right? I mean, the criticism will be um, productive. That's yeah. what we're aiming for. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think I have any resentment, but I definitely have mm-hmm. strong negative feelings mm-hmm. and opinions and ideas surrounding a lot of religious choices. Mm-hmm. And maybe some backstory to kind of help people. Yeah, We've talked about this That's before, I believe in episode seven or eight when we were talking about us. the theory of us mm-hmm. yeah we both have backgrounds strongly tied to religious belief mine being tied to christianity in various forms mm-hmm. um you know baptism or non-denominational a whole bunch or sorry baptist non-denominational and other various um disciplines mm-hmm. and sects i guess you would call them in the religion and i was a devout follower and believer for 20 something years and yeah i, I mean People that know me can speak to it, I guess, is probably the easiest mm-hmm. way. I'm uh, more than happy to share a lot of my very personal experiences there. But yeah, um, I was somebody that went, and again, people that know me probably know, I'm someone that goes probably all in when I do something. Mm-hmm. And I was all into Christianity from the time I was able to even maintain or hold belief. So I, I'm no stranger to the yeah. to the matter uh, you want to talk a little bit about your background? Yeah, mine is very similar as well. That uh, my my family was Christian, so I automatically, you know, I didn't have any choice. Um, and that's pretty much the case to uh, most people, right? Uh, they're born to a Christian family, and they become automatically, at least up to a certain point, uh, stay as uh, Christian. Uh, and I was like that too, and. Um, I, I have the personality too that um, I can become um, entirely passionate. Uh, I don't really look anything else when I'm really focused on on a thing, fixated on a thing. So Christianity was uh, something like that to me. Um, yeah. Even though I was really into Jackie Chan uh, during the <laughs> same time. <laughs> hey, me too. Um, and Bruce so Lee. I would often um, show up at a church to a service. Um, 
dressed up like Jackie Chan. I, I've done that many, many times. <laughs> <laughs> was, That's racist, bro. Because <laughs> I, I love them so much. I guess that's interesting, right? To me, even though I was very religious, I uh, had this, uh, you know, secular interest. Yeah. And, I mean, it was not a lot, but to me, um, what about you? Like, did you did you like anything else? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely some things that were conflicting with my faith uh-huh. and belief, primarily the way uh, my mom viewed those interests. So mm-hmm. I liked uh, Yu-Gi-Oh playing cards, which yeah. had elements of magic, mm-hmm. and then Pokemon. It was huge. Everybody loved Pokemon, but yeah. it talked about evolution. So there was a lot of those things were banned in my household mm-hmm. or heavily regulated at yeah. different times. I mean, eventually there was some give as I got older just because you can't right. control every aspect. But even so much what I would listen to music-wise or watch movies, mm-hmm. um, there's heavy prejudice against it unless it was Christian. Mm-hmm. But over time, you know, growing up and maturing, my mom allowed more things for us to become more open and accepting mm-hmm. of those things. Yeah. So I think that was beneficial. But I was also the type of person where I didn't need somebody to tell me this is the wrong thing to do or the right thing to do. Right. I had some intuition in that regard, at least how to behave or how I wanted to behave. Mm -hmm. And it was more of an internal source rather than an external be, you know, somebody tell me you have to behave this way. Right. You know, I've read the Bible through and through. It was very devout, very, you know, prayers, soul winning, going door to door, knocking, witnessing to people, preaching, um, praying to people on the streets you know i packed up and put everything in my car and drove to um, the international house of prayer which mm-hmm. seems like a cult now but yeah. i was going to go there for theology school to be a minister i felt yeah. the call and i was very passionate and very devout and so i went out there and i drove and i realized and it felt wrong at that yeah. time it didn't dissolve my belief in christ or god but mm-hmm. it I knew even under that like paradigm, that faith mm-hmm. that this is the wrong call. I'm doing this, which was for a girl because that's yeah. to me the most important thing has been like romantic love, the most reoccurring element. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it, it led to an eventual complete department or department, but uh, departure from the faith as I right. learned more. And I think we talked about this again on episode seven, but I think mm-hmm. a lot of our joys with religion was primarily coming from a place that we we were the type that want answers. We want to understand why Mm -hmm. and how things work. And there's a lot of philosophical, you know, inquiries that religious text makes. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, they arrive to a very different conclusion than other Mm -hmm. philosophers. And I would say the impact is Mm -hmm. much more serious as we've seen with murders, um, slavery and a whole bunch of other things mm-hmm. and not to say that these things wouldn't exist if it wasn't for religion Yeah, I believe another belief system would dominate and you know spread like wildfire that has the same kind of effects but because that's not the situation and not the time we live in in the mm-hmm. western world yeah. we're going to primarily talk about and discuss I believe <clears throat> Christianity largely yes just because it's been the most dominant uh, force um, for our societies, yeah, the Western world, especially the modern uh, Western world, and um, therefore, 
a lot of values of our societies have been um, associated with the ideas of Christianity. Yeah, therefore, it is inevitable to talk about more on um, talk more about Christianity than other religions. Of course, we'll attempt to touch on other religions as well um, when when relevant. But uh, don't get mad. <laughs> <laughs> Try because, to take cool again, uh, and calm and collected. Very, um, sincere Christians, and same as you. I mean, I, I was I was going to be a, a priest. You know, go to a um, university to study theology. Wow. Um, and then, to me, uh, there were a lot of conflicts between what I uh, have di- had discovered to be moral, you know, good, and uh, eventually my values, um, I guess, exceeded my faith, mm-hmm. and I had to walk away. And yeah. um, that really happened because of. Like you said, um, I our tendency to um, make inquiries about things that are unknown to me and things that are uh, uh, interesting to look into, and then um, I was considering actually study philosophy first. I was still religious, but I wanted to study philosophy first and uh, move over to theology. But during the process, I uh, uh, became non-religious mm. yeah mm. so that's my um, story yeah. in short so uh, it's very similar backgrounds yeah. and, I mean we could talk all day about the ins and outs and our personal <laughs> anecdotal experiences right. in religion and there's yeah. a lot of great people I still have you know religious yeah. friends family that are very loving and kind so this is not again a criticism of people that maintain and hold specific beliefs this is a criticism mm-hmm. and an evaluation if you could say that yeah. of beliefs yeah. because the second somebody tries to identify with something and then mm-hmm. enacts it through their living and their lifestyle, it's going to be different than the word, right? I mean, this is mm-hmm. the case of anything. Yeah. You try to act, it's going to be different than what you're trying to act. Like right. This is the part of things getting lost in translation. Yeah. So we're not speaking necessarily about anybody in particular today. Um, mm-hmm. Many people that hold Christian beliefs and Christ as their savior have provide great deals of leaps forward to humanity, love in their personal life, and a whole bunch of great things. So if you're one of those people, please don't take it too harshly. Just try to hear maybe the words and the criticisms, and Mm. we'll listen to your feedback. Yeah. Not that we necessarily want to get into a, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, argument about where we're coming from, but we, we would love to clarify anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're always uh, trying to re- refine what yeah, we, yeah, we think, course. right? Yeah, yeah, this medium uh, is naturally unilateral. So uh, if you have any questions about our discussion or uh, comments, just let us know um, on YouTube or you know, any other platforms. But, um, you know, and, and I'd like to say that, I mean, this this should be this just free discussion, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any, uh, I don't have a lot of pressure, honestly. Uh, initially, I did because, well, this is very uh, controversial subject, so we should be careful. But at the same time, um, this is not a discussion for um, making them look bad, right? Yeah, and that's not what I'm trying to do. We're just 
trying to have this productive discussion about religion and its role and the problems associated with it today more than anything. I think we're motivated initially because of uh, things are happening today. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, more than anything, of course, religion has been uh, one of um, the most interesting subjects that we've been talking about. But at the same time, um, because of... um, I forgot what I was saying right before that. The impact of religion, where you're going to bring up things that's going on laws right now? Yes, we've been talking about religion a lot, but then uh, we didn't have enough motivation to actually bring into our uh, podcast, even though... We talk about a lot off screen. Yeah, off screen. But uh, lately, um, what's been happening, you know, uh, gun shooting and... You know, uh, racism and sexism and all that uh, kind of motivated us to um, talk about it on our platform. Yeah, at least broach it, broach the subject. Mm -hmm. It's and again, it's hard because this is such a personal nature for Mm -hmm. so many people that maintain any type of belief that it's very your ego is going to immediately be flared up by some of the things we're going to say. Yeah, you're going to feel challenged and it's going to feel bad, probably. Yeah, but. Again, just take it take it in mm-hmm. stride because this is how we learn when our egos are challenged. For us as well. Challenge our mm-hmm. egos too, you know. So I guess with that, you you had done some research. Yeah. Stuff you um, already know, but you put more pen to paper, I guess, with it. So you want to open up? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I wanted to look into all the religions first uh, because obviously it's hard to prove uh, or find even evidence of the very first religion. It's hard, but... We can look into, um, you know, ancient uh, civilization, civilizations and look at how those religions have uh, progressed and affected uh, the religion today. That's why it's kind of important to look at it. But anyway, uh, many religions are originally going to have some sort of fertility, fertility cult, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I mean, we're going to uh, touch on those things briefly later, but... Um, if you look at Babylon, uh, Istar, the earth goddesses, uh, was supreme among other female divinities. And, well, this is kind of interesting. The, the reason I'm bringing it up is that the great mother was worshipped under various names, right? Uh-huh. Uh, because when Greek colonists in Asia Minor, the, the west coast of Turkey, um, they found temples to her, right? And they named her Ar- Artemis. Oh, so Artemis. that's yeah. yeah. This is this origin of Artemis. Wow. The Greek I didn't realize that's the original. Okay. Yeah, and then they took over the existing cult, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then what happened was that that was the origin of Diana of the uh, Ephesians. Christianity transfigured her into the Virgin Mary. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. It's <laughs> it's funny. A lot of these. Yeah. So when you speak about the fertility cults and things yeah. of that nature. I think the reason we have that understanding is because a lot of the archaeology we've discovered mm-hmm. and found, right? Yeah. That's a big part. Um, so there's like archaeological evidence more than just mm-hmm. guesswork in regards to right. uh, fertility clear, fertility cults. Um, <laughs> I can't, you love can't the word. Today. What is going on? Cult. Yeah, I love cults. <laughs> I can love them, man. <laughs> Get out there. Spread the good words. <laughs> But um, also, it's really interesting to look at around uh, around the same time, Egypt and Babylonia. They have very uh, different 
uh, aspects of religion because uh, Egyptians were overly preoccupied with death. Um, that's why, so they believe that the souls of the dead are judged by um, Osiris, their god, mm-hmm. uh, based on the manner of their life on earth, right? That's why they did, um, you know, uh, created this grand tombs because mm. they believe that they may come back, yeah, yeah. right? So even though Egyptians are really occupied with death, um, Babylonia was not like that. They had more like a warlike development. Um, so the independent independent cities fought each other, and in the end, uh, Babylon became uh, supreme. Therefore, their gods became um, supreme over others, yeah. and um, the Babylon's the main god, the primary god Marduk, who got a position like that later held by Zeus in the Greek uh, pantheon. Wow. Right, so you can see that even they're really close and um, uh, similar civilizations, um, they have very different, um, you know, features of yeah. religion. Yeah, I think yeah. one important thing to mention here is with the adaptation of yeah. all, all these other gods from cultures. Mm-hmm. A big part of the reason, from my understanding and my reading, and it's been a while since I've read mm-hmm. uh, early, like early civilization and religious studies, but a lot of it was in order to get people to convert or to be okay with regime overturn, is that mm-hmm. they had to basically repackage gods or identify and pick them y- up. Yes, yes. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. people are not... When you believe something, you're mm-hmm. willing to die for it. Like, real belief of almost yeah. any nature, people are willing to die for. So a lot of this was, like, adaptation as well. Yes, yes. Uh, so, like, as a uh, the most, as the most dominant uh, aspect of development of religion is that it was bound up with the government, right? And then a god or goddesses became associated with the state for political motives. So a king became divine with despotic powers and owned all the land. As a result, the gods also became associated with morality. Mm. So morality and law became closer and closer during this development. And then um, the lawgivers... They had, uh, they were divine because they were king and lawgiver givers were basically uh, receiving this code of conduct morality. Therefore, uh, a breach of this law becomes impurity. Yeah, yeah. So you can see this kind of why religion was, or at least we can say that the uh, the purpose of a religion at the time and how they utilized religion. At yeah. least we can say that whether or not the gods were real. At least we can say that the uh, uh, the states yeah. really utilize the concept of religion yeah. for and their political it, motives. Exactly, and it's really mm-hmm. difficult to segregate out and decide which yeah. of these people, these political figures, actually were true believers or are using mm-hmm. it merely as a tool for control. Yeah, because that that varies from time period, and you could make the claim you can never really know if somebody's actually truly mm-hmm. in good faith. Yeah, maintaining these beliefs or these ideas, and then you know circulating them to the people or enforcing them via law mm-hmm. or otherwise or you know even social conduct social mm-hmm. standard yeah and also um since we're going to talk about uh, christianity as well uh, obviously this could be i mean controversial depending on um who is listening to this <laughs> but this is based on um i mean based on a lot of books that i uh, i read 
one of them is the uh, uh, the history of Western uh, philosophy, mm-hmm. and the other one is uh, uh, the one that I'm reading right now about uh, archaeology, mm-hmm. um, based on it's basically uh, writing the narr- narrative again about humanity, the origin of humanity, mm-hmm. whether or not we we're egalitarian, you know, what actually went wrong so that our societies became non-egalitarian. But um, if you look at from the beginning, um, the I, have you heard of Bacchus, Bacchism? Mm, no, um, I actually haven't. No. Uh, so basically, it is equivalent to uh, Dionysus. The, oh yeah, yeah uh, Bacchus, yeah. like god of wine. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So um, Thracians were regarded as barbarians by the Greeks. Yeah. But um, they had a fertility cult and uh, a god who promoted it. His name was Bacchus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's a Thracian uh, uh, god. But when they uh, found how to make a beer, they uh, thought intoxication divine and attributed to him. And later they came to know the vine and they thought even better of him. Mm. Um, so eventually his role of promoting fertility becomes less significant than the grape and the divine yeah, drunkenness yeah. by wine. Why Why am I talking about Bacchism? Well, because Bacchism, in short, uh, was reformed by uh, Orphism, and, and Orphism was uh, reformed by Pythagoras, and then, you know, his ideas uh, affected that of Plato, yeah. and later, um, pretty much... Any philosophy in any degree religious was affected by, you know, Plato and Pythagoras and yeah. going back that way. Pythagoras had a cult, by the way. It's a real thing. Yeah. Had a legit cult. Yeah. Think about that. The mathematician. Mm-hmm. This is, again, the other interesting people. A lot of things are actually, things. yeah, uh, uh, a lot of things about him is not clear. Yeah. Yeah, there was no uh, clear Speculation, Even right? uh, Orpheus uh, of Orpheism, um, his existence is unknown. Yeah. Whether or not it was real. Yeah. It's because a lot of these people, I mean, yeah. even look at Socrates, people didn't really believe in writing things down. Mm-hmm. Right. And then also what's been lost to history mm-hmm. yeah. through the ages is an unfathomable amount of data mm-hmm. knowledge. Yeah. So the, the, you know, going back to the discussion, so the Greeks uh, adapted uh, uh, Bacchism, but uh, there were some barbaric elements such as uh, tearing animals into small pieces and uh, eating the whole of them raw. Uh, so all those barbaric elements were removed by them. And then um, eventually they replaced this uh, physical intoxication with mental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how uh, what happened. And then, um, you know, obviously, like I said, um, it affected some philosophers, um, uh, great philosophers. Um, but those who were more scientific, during that time, you could broadly categorized philosopher into two different um, sections. One more scientific, um, the other one more um, religious. Yeah. yeah. And at this time, there was no, obviously, scientific method or even standards to separate mm-hmm. those two. Only yeah. looking back do we begin to, like, divide them up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're looking at, like, how you define what an element is. Yeah. And basically, the way we made up the world, those that made up the world and the belief of God's mm-hmm. created things... You know, or the essence of things, elements. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, it means something different then than it does now. 
Right. Right. So like retrospectively, that's mm-hmm. what it means. Yeah. So and then another really important role of uh, intoxication was to they uh, thought of intoxication as a way of acquiring uh, a certain knowledge not obtainable by ordinary means. Mm. Right. And uh, this mystical element entered into Greek philosophy with Pythagoras, like I said, who reformed Orphism and um, later uh, uh, Plato. Uh, But also the idea of enthusiasm. What it meant was at at the time was Ha, uh, was to have uh, the God entered into your body be- and become one with the God. Possessed. <laughs> yes. They called it enthusiasm. Yeah. And uh, that enthusiasm became, like I said, uh, rather than become one with the God, later uh, those Greeks who were religious philosophers, they uh, took it as acquiring knowledge. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was sort mm-hmm. of a change going through um, transforming to Greek thoughts from uh, Thracian's uh, Bechism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's quite the drastic change, mm-hmm. the way we understand it, right, hearing that word. Yeah. Which is, again, why it's so important to understand when we talk about these things. You kind of have to put mm-hmm. yourself in the time period and culture because mm-hmm. these words mean different things. Right. You know, the way they're understood, mm-hmm. very different. Yeah. As one last thing about Bechism is that, like I said, some barbaric elements were removed, but also there were some Bechic elements that survived even uh, during the great time, which was, um, which was feminism. Uh, even Pythagoras says women as a sex are more naturally akin to piety. And even Plato's view that some women should be trained to rule in, he mentions in uh, uh, Republic, uh, Republic yeah. Book 5. So uh, this feminism element of Bechism survived um, even yeah. in Greek thoughts. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, piety, I guess we'd have to look mm-hmm. at the word, what, what it meant at that time period, but mm-hmm. that almost seems a little bit insulting. You know, <laughs> <fucking> <laughs> women yes. are built to be giving up everything for our Lord. <laughs> you, you pious that you're pious. Right. Come on, what? Um, but it is interesting, right? Because that mm-hmm. is an early development where before you probably wouldn't categorize women in a specific way, mm-hmm. or in that you know time period mm-hmm. where, for lack of a better term, like religion and gods are seen as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. To say somebody is pious would be complimentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I imagine. So mm-hmm. I could totally understand that being like a starting point for feminism. Yeah. And uh, feminism, what a weird, wor- weird word mm-hmm. because there's so much negative connotation surrounding mm-hmm. it in modern uh, modern times, especially in the yeah. West. It's getting better. But what we mean by feminism is just treatment of women as if they're people. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's what we mean by feminism. Yeah. Treat them like a person. <laughs> Right. Also, uh, it's important to note that Plato and Pythagoras were exceptions in historical context, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the feminist thought was not common yeah. among them. There was, there mm-hmm. was uh, a couple... Um, or dominant view. Yeah, female philosophers, even mm-hmm. in Greek times, grant like not as much notoriety as mm-hmm. obviously their male peers, just because right. the time period. But even that long ago, there is still probably in some regards further... Uh, more fair and humane treatment of women in some ways yeah. than there even is today impossible without going back and looking mm-hmm. um but yeah let's uh so we've kind of we've kind of built i think the foundation mm-hmm. of how we've arrived to this place in time without like the nitty-gritty details because yeah modern day christianity is obviously very different mm-hmm. than it was back then 
mm-hmm. um, even if some of the texts have survived via translations and things of that nature. But if we look at the early tr- early church, there's actually some, I need to go look and find the documents, but mm-hmm. some debate about what should be considered doctrine, what was like good enough to maintain and pass down mm-hmm. via scribes when it actually entered Greece. Uh, so, I mean, that, that alone right there kind of, if I was a religious person, that would give me a little suspicion as to, mm-hmm. you know, the credibility of the words. Yeah. If they had to be debated and compete with each other to survive the times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know how powerful a God's words are if they can be changed and altered so consistently by man. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's kind of that's kind of rough. That's one of my that's my initial first criticism yeah. from the get go. Yeah, I mean, uh, we we started to talk about this um, after the uh, roll overturn, right? Um, because uh, didn't you say that uh, majority of them are Christian? Oh yeah, the the majority. Well, Christian, mm-hmm. right? Catholic and Christian. So yeah, the majority of the Supreme Court, yes maintain a belief system that's religious so i mean i don't necessarily want to separate i know catholicism and christianity have very differing beliefs but they share similar identities and root it in ultimately very similar western uh, religious but yeah and that i think that's affecting everybody's lives Mm -hmm. in present day u.s yeah Um, there's a minority Mm -hmm. i guess you could say that's being mis or not even fairly represented, not even represented at all. And that kind of comes at odds with our day-to-day living because if you don't maintain certain beliefs or a more ethical practice that's in line with that religion, mm-hmm. it's very easy to step outside what they consider acceptable. And then you can be condemned as a criminal, a killer, mm-hmm. or numerous other things, which in this yeah. case would be you're a murderer if you have an abortion, which I find disgustingly mm-hmm. offensive um, to even make that claim. Yeah. But I guess that's that's for a later episode. Yeah, we're going to uh, actually talk about it um, in a separate episode, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe we should talk about Nietzsche a bit. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he wrote The Spoke Zarathustra, which is a very popular book. Mm-hmm. One of his seminal works, that yeah. and the gay science, I think, are probably the two of the biggest. But right. he ta- so the main <clears throat> character in this story is Zarathustra. And he's, I forget the, the actual origin of his name. This mm-hmm. is like a translation. Mm-hmm. But he's one of the first people accredited with the final separation or initial separation of good and evil, saying one is good, one is evil. Like mm-hmm. these things predominantly come from a good source. These things predominantly come from an evil source. Mm-hmm. So in this book, he goes upon the mountain and... Mm-hmm basically arrives at some type of truth conclusion. He has a spiritual event, I guess is what I would say. Mm-hmm. He then comes back into town to share it with the people. They think he's a clown, essentially, because there's a festival right. going at the same time, and he's mm-hmm. mistaken as entertainment. Um, but he encourages man to awaken from their slumber, you know, to discard these ideas and these beliefs and these moralities that mm-hmm. they have, and to summon in the new dawn, the new man, this ubermensch or the superman, and he he makes the claim rather boldly, right? Saying that mm-hmm. we need to step out of this belief where we're at and 
try to explore options that is going to arrive to uh, a better truth or a more evolved truth. So he even like ties it back to evolution a bit in that regard. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at that that point in time, right? I mean, Darwin's theory was still pretty revolutionary for one of the first times in written recorded history that we're mm-hmm. aware of. We have a good alternative mm-hmm. to the creation and everything around us rather than it being a God or gods or a supernatural event. um, We have something that can explain it in a more scientific terms. Yeah. Right. So that's a a pretty big turning point Mm -hmm. for the world in general. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, uh, his criticism, it appears in many different books, right? Yeah. and it will it will cultivates in the uh, last book, uh, uh, the ADA book, uh, Antichrist. Um, and uh, his criti- criticism is uh, of not just religion at the time. I mean, mainly Christianity uh, uh, by him, but also European morality because they're closely related, right? Yeah. And then when he declared that God is dead, the famous yeah. um, his uh, pronouncement, um, basically he. Uh, Argued that the belief in Christian God uh, has become unbelievable, and everything that was built up on this faith is des- destined to uh, destined to collapse. Yeah. And yeah. his criticism was not, um, you know, like resentful. You know, yeah, actually, he, I he was very to, concerned. Yeah, that's actually concerned. that's yeah. exactly what I was just about to say. Most people mm-hmm. hear that quote and immediately mm-hmm. take offense, but he's doing this from a very deep, deeply concerned, yeah. worried about uh-huh. humanity, like. Well, because sadly, I mean, the entire quote is so beautiful, but I mean, God is dead is basically how it ends, Mm -hmm. you know, but basically who will forgive us? Who's going to do all this stuff? How are we, how are we going to continue to live Mm -hmm. without these rules and these expectations? What's next for man? Yeah. I mean, uh, very, yeah. He even says that, you know, we have, you know, we're left with this long-term restoration of society and, he basically says that somehow in the meantime we have to survive this society has to uh stay intact yeah. you know so he's he has very um he's very very concerned with you know what was happening and yeah. then um you know the christian christian values yeah. in, I mean, in the think about it, even society. at that time period mm-hmm. to be able to realize things are falling apart mm-hmm. and now we're here yeah, because you know, again, uh, because of because the Christianity was dominant first, and then European morality was built upon it. Uh, and when he says God is dead, he what it means is that Christianity can no longer serve as the underpinning of underpinning for societal conformity yeah. and ethical commitments. Yeah. Thus, the existing framework loses immutability and becomes mortal. Yeah, uh, that, that's his idea. Yeah. Yeah, and then he goes farther that it's more than losing stability, right? Because you can't really justify it. But also what's dangerous is that even damaging since moralization is attached to our psychology, right? Therefore, removing its effects cannot be done without psychological damage. And that that was another actual criticism of Christianity. And even worse, he says, the damaging part of morality has embedded within us in the form of self-understanding, <laughs> oh, right? yeah, making dude. it almost impossible for us to even imagine other alternatives, alternatives for how to live yeah. life. Yeah. So basically, I mean, yeah. paraphrasing and summarizing what he's saying mm-hmm. is that your identity is entirely constituted upon a belief system where morality, mm-hmm. ethical choices, 
all this stuff is embedded into you. It mm-hmm. constitutes your identity. Life and everything and the way you understand the world in is entirely way yeah. built mm-hmm. around, mm-hmm. built around, I would say it's built around, but it's built around mm-hmm. this premise and these ideas. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, foundationally, we're yeah. hurt. We're damaged. So it's going society to becomes baseless. Yes. Yeah. That's the biggest concern. And also another feature of Christianity is guilt, the idea of a guilt, right? So it requires, <laughs> uh, which means that it requires internal uh, internalization, very intense internalization of the feeling of guilt, which results in attaching a negative assessment to the guilty person's sense of self worth. Yeah, that's 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 another big problem in his criticism, by the way. And uh, the problem here is that there's no real connection of wrongful action to an actual victim, because there's no victim. Yeah. <laughs> right, <Yeah. laughs> which makes it possible for anybody to be equally entitled to blame the guilty party and any religious or even ideological system to attach guilt to any violation, even without any anyone harmed. Yeah, that's the problem here. Yeah, anyone that has been harmed. It's a self-perpetuating mechanism. Yes, but you have to self-condemn. Yeah, well, that's yeah. part of the immediately. I mean, in order to even get accepted to, you know. The kingdom of heaven, you have to, mm-hmm. at least in Christianity, right? Yeah. You have to acknowledge you're a sinner, yeah. first and foremost, and then Christ died for your sins. Mm-hmm. That obviously immediately makes you guilt. How would you not feel guilty for putting the Son of God to death? Of course you're going to feel guilt if that's true. Mm-hmm. And it's entirely your belief is dependent upon this singular strong guilt Yeah, that you are destined for hell. Because you yeah. are wrong, you are sinful. You are obviously from the get go corrupted, broken. Yeah. Like f- f- from the ground up, they're telling you you're nothing. Mm-hmm. But we can mold you into something worthwhile. And I find any system that mm-hmm. does that, any system doesn't matter if it's yeah. the military, doesn't matter if it's the government, doesn't matter if it's a civic civil rights group, mm-hmm. any group that tells you you're nothing without them, or they're going to rebuild you up, you should have a little fucking hesitation about mm-hmm. it. You know, maybe there are some benefits you can gain from doing that, but look well, at yeah. what you're potentially trading off and selling. Yeah. And that's the the cancerous thing about Christianity is that it is perverse in the sense that it's invaded every aspect of your life. Yes. Yeah, so your thoughts. Every, sorry, yeah, that's yep. what uh, that's what he uh, lastly criticized. I mean, not lastly as in like the last of everything. I haven't touched the, touched on everything, but the important ones. But one last uh, important one that he criticizes is that uh, a morality of compassion because he focuses on the problem of suffering. You know, he didn't necessarily, uh, you know, criticize the, the the idea of suffering. Um, he agrees some of the views uh, uh, by uh, Schopenhauer on oh, suffering. Okay. But uh, what he really focuses on here is the problem of suffering. Um so he admits the suffering may promote a person's growth, as we know, yeah, right? Yeah. But it's assumptive uh, because his conclusion that suffering must be bad comes from the outside, not from inside. Mm-hmm. And this rem- removes an opportunity for her to assess the value of her suffering. This removes that opportunity entirely, yeah. right? Yeah. And then, um, moreover, an opportunity to make something positive out, out of their suffering. Yeah, they just get, the idea of suffering here. It just got get rid of all this opportunity, yeah. positive opportunity yeah. that they can 
They can't I mean, have. And Nietzsche famously wished mm-hmm. his friends, loved ones, hard times. He's like, mm-hmm. I want you to have a hell of a life, like difficult times. Mm-hmm. And he earnestly meant that yeah. because he believed. Yeah, there you go. That's yeah. where you, you were. Good, good point. You know, that's where you're mm-hmm. really built. Yeah. That's, so he doesn't actually like rejects the idea of suffering at all. No, right? no. Yeah. He, inc- I mean, mm-hmm. we know. Okay, Nietzsche had a horribly difficult life, rejected. Yeah. You know, love, had syphilis, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Horrible had his he had his work mani- uh, manipulated, misrepresented mm-hmm. by his sister for the Third Reich. Mm-hmm. So he's he had a horrible fucking run at it. You know, he yeah. ended up, I believe, in a uh, I don't know if it was a mental asylum, but it was somewhere where he basically just died out. You know, fizzled out. Right. Horrible experience. But despite that, you read his stuff. I'm telling you, you read his stuff. It's so uplifting. Like mm-hmm. thus spoke Zarathustra specifically, I felt like, oh man, I feel like I'm reading Psalms or Proverbs, the way he speaks and writes, and it's mm-hmm. incredibly uplifting and refreshing, and to see it in such a manner that is in juxtaposition with mm-hmm. the Psalms or the Proverbs or something biblical, you can totally appreciate where this guy's coming from. Yeah, and also, you see, you don't have to look to. Christ, you don't have to look to the saints, you don't have to look to these huge martyrs mm-hmm. or religious figures and then point and be like, well, look at the life they led. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy in total opposition to these beliefs mm-hmm. crushing it, living his life, like making like huge impacts upon mm-hmm. the world and he doesn't maintain the belief system of Christianity and that's cool. His father was priest. Yeah. 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 I mean, he was yeah. heavily influenced, right? Mm-hmm. But it's cool to see that you can look outwardly rather than like, in, he doesn't have to look and point into his work and be like, here's this imaginary guy I made up mm-hmm. and look how good his life is. I imagine yeah. if I lived it like that, then it would be good. Right. But rather, yeah. it's him and this is his expressions. He's every character in that book, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Part of him. Mm-hmm. And he's expressing it. And what a beautiful thing when you don't have to regulate and fit in this box that's yeah. been predefined for you. Yeah. And also, um, I think the reason he was kind of disgusted, I mean, I'm just guessing by his words and his ideas, but I think he was disgusted by the fact that this ecumenical uh, diminution of suffering really undermines valuable aspects aspects of who we are, yeah. who we naturally are. And that was the big, I think, I think that was probably, you know, one of the, um, you know, like heaviest, heaviest criticism. Um, of Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he if said I, the yes. the two things you should never do, mm-hmm. he criticized heavily, was drinking and mm-hmm. Christianity. And he said the, the problem, the biggest mm-hmm. problem with both these things is that the second you decide to yeah. believe in the sake of Christianity or drink to intoxication, it solves all your problems. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, yeah. you don't have to worry about any of your current problems because yeah. guess what? There's life after this. There's an eternal place where there's no wrong. Mm-hmm. You'll live in a mansion. Everything will be good. There's only good people there. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the problems now. Yeah. You know, the slave morality, as he commonly mm-hmm. called it. The same with drinking. Bad day at work. You're mm-hmm. stressed out. Your life's not going the way you want. You know, rather than go exercise or maybe do something that's going to slowly but surely chip away at it, yeah. have a drink. Take the pressure off. We all need yeah. the pressure off. We do. I'm not denying that. Yeah. We all want the pressure off to some degree. Mm-hmm. But when you're just taking the pressure off, Mm-hmm. by giving up who you are and your identity and what you can become, mm-hmm. the risk is too huge. So yeah. that's why he would say these two things, they solve too many problems, and they do it in a very ingenuine way. Mm-hmm. That is not a genuine, real type of solution mm-hmm. for these things. 
And again, some people, they have been. Mm-hmm. I would say those people are like true believers, though. Mm-hmm. Like people that actually go and take actions. Yeah. You know, but for the vast majority of people, I think they're just, unfortunately, they're enslaved. Yeah. By this this morality and mentality. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I'm enslaved by certain things. We're all enslaved. You know, all things are thrust upon us initially upon birth. Like we mm-hmm. talk about forever. You know, we're born into the world. Ideas are thrust upon us. Mm-hmm. We're never thought to confront or fight them until something in our life comes ahead. Yeah. And then we're forced to either concede mm-hmm. that maybe what I thought was right is wrong or mm-hmm. fucking cover our eyes and just keep walking down that path, man. You're just, yeah. well, you know what? End of my life, there's heaven. I'll see my loved ones. It's all good. I don't have to worry about women's rights or people being mistreated, minorities being treated mm-hmm. poor. It's all good, man. God's got it. He's going to fix it. Like, dude, what? Yeah. What an insidious yeah. and evil set of beliefs to prevent you from actually loving and helping others. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's, to me, like, one of the biggest problems of any religion is that I don't see faith as a problem. Faith can be very healthy. Yeah, you know, yeah. Even totally. though, even if that faith cannot be justified to others, I think it can be very healthy individually. But I want to ask a question would that faith still exist if the religion was not uh, eschatological or soteriological, right? If the religion really doesn't show you any vision of afterlife, yeah, any promise that you will be saved, yeah, would that faith still hold true? You know, I think a lot of times it will collapse. I think most people are bought into it because there are promises. Yeah, yeah. You know? promises that seem too good to be true. You ever heard that saying? Something seems too good to be true. <laughs> <laughs> Chances well, that's are, it another is. matter, right? But I, I, to me, that's the biggest problem of um, any religion. Yeah. You know, I think the faith should be. I mean, I will just stop right there. But I, I put out, you know, my idea. Yeah. About it. I think it's one of those things that in reality and in practice is impossible to maintain and it Mm -hmm. makes too many gross assumptions. Mm -hmm. And it's a crude, it's a crude tool. You know, there's a talk that religion initially was just a result or a tool to solve our existential dilemma, existential dilemma, right? Mm -hmm. Existential dread. The understanding that I will pass, I will die. I also think that feeling alone initially though was a crude interpretation of reality. You know, yes, you will experience death, this thing. But as far as, you know, science, matter, mm-hmm. matter is still there. You know, materials, cha- we have all the matter and it's never going to change, period, in the universe, right? We can calculate and figure that out. Energy changes, things like that. Forms change, but matter itself, we have what we have. Um, so I think, again, running into the problem with thinking like, oh, we're going to die was a, a wrong thing. And I think religion mm-hmm. being the solution was also a wrong solution. Mm-hmm. And again, though, that's the problem. Human psychology is such an early science. There's so much we don't understand. Maybe science came and do mm-hmm. the part to explain it well enough yeah. so that we can arrive to specific belief systems to help navigate life more effectively yeah. and you know, caring about people because these things are important. Um, but yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you, man. Totally agree with you. Yeah. Um, so we've 
talked about quite a lot about a generic uh, part of religion. Um, is there anything they want to touch on? Mm, I don't think there's anything specifically mm-hmm. in this episode. Probably need more more feedback mm-hmm. firsthand. But I, so criticism with the religion. This would be could be applied to any belief that people say they maintain. Yeah, I think most point. people are mm-hmm. idealistic and hold ideals. But if an ideal doesn't serve you or lead to any meaningful action, is it worth maintaining that as a belief? Or attaching it to your identity? Mm-hmm. Does it really need to be what constitutes who you are or what your ego says you are? Mm-hmm. I would argue no, it doesn't. I think it should be discarded immediately. If it doesn't serve you and it doesn't serve others, mm-hmm. or you know, at worst case scenario, which I think is the most common case scenario, it actually hurts you mm-hmm. and it hurts others. Rather than digging deeper into it, maybe yeah. you should just swallow your pride and try something else for a little just try something else i'm not even saying you have to discard it like maybe just put it on the side and try to figure something else out for a little bit and you might be surprised and humbled mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised <laughs> that there's way other ways yeah. to live your life different ideas there's different thoughts and guess what it's all good man mm-hmm. i mean i didn't realize how afraid of living i was until mm-hmm. i escaped christianity because I'd been working from the idea that this is the way the world works. This is how it's described. If I mm. behave in a specific way, then I'll be rewarded for it, you know. And I forced myself to be in a box. And I needed to fit in that box. Mm-hmm. And it hurt. Sometimes you got to cut off some of your limbs to get into that box. Yeah. Sometimes you got to do some horrible things to fit in that structure. Yeah. Some deep, horrible pain. And then how... How convenient Mm -hmm. that that pain is then just praised biblically and praised by others. Your suffering is thought as this beautiful thing. It's it's fucking cancer, man. It's fucking cancer. I think passion to suffer for something is a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. But unless you've arrived to that truth of your own accord, don't get me wrong, you can have help arriving to that Mm -hmm. truth through experience. But dude, do not don't sit there and suffer more than you need to needlessly yeah. unless you know 100% like you're saying if there's no heaven there's no afterlife you would still do it that way yeah because there are things out that that you'll love that much that mm-hmm. you'll do anything for yeah it does it may not be your faith it may not be your faith for me it's like rock climbing like no matter what I would do it for the rest Passion. of my life yeah mm-hmm. a needless it's not needless but I don't have to go back and be like oh yes I need to go every Sunday to be reassured that this is the right choice. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't need to do that. You know, how many people go to church just because they need to be told they need to be continually brainwashed in mm-hmm. some way? Like, no, this is what you want to do. When maybe it really isn't. Yeah. You know, give yourself some freedom to explore these ideas and concepts. Yeah. And that to me has been the beautiful thing about philosophy. I want to have a deeper understanding and it opened my eyes to realize there is no one true understanding. Mm-hmm. There's multiple variations of understanding. And there's so much freedom in realizing, this is my personal truth, that there is no there's no absolute truth. Yeah. You know? There's there's truth based upon specific circumstances to make that that thing true. You know, even mathematically speaking, right? That's only true based on a specific logic or a specific agreement. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's no absolute truth. It's all perspective. It's all relationship. So. Right. That's that also a very controversial statement. But. It is. I mean, it's <laughs> extremely controversial. Patreon. Patreon only. So. But nobody can nobody can argue it me out right. of it because I could just be like, okay, well, what if I change the inputs? Yeah. And then they're like, well, you can't do that. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if I can't change the inputs, then is that mm-hmm. really like, you know, pure truth? Like. Right, I, it, it only it really depends truth on in specific situation. That probably deserves an entire episode. Maybe we yeah. should we should do That'd that. But it uh, really depends on how you define absolute, right? Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, I, I think it largely can vary uh, by the definition of absolute. Yeah, but yeah, we can probably talk about it. Well, um, I think the a big issue within mm-hmm. our society is that relative truths aren't. Mm-hmm. even really talked about we see things like black and white zero one binary yeah which I think is that's... manifesting in and even you know uh, many many parts of sectors of society right yeah like yeah. like extremists <laughs> I don't understand I really don't understand um but anyway let's just wrap it up I guess um, yeah. it's time to wrap well, it up well this is only part one anyway but, so um, I, I just wanted to uh, put out this idea that you know, maybe we should, you know, there's an alternative way, in my opinion, you know, that is not fully entirely religious. You know, you can, because there are a lot of beneficial ideas in religions, any religions, I would say, you know, and then you can ad- uh, adapt it in your own way. You know, when, uh, uh, you know, Beckism yeah. really, uh, um, the, the enthusiasm was to become one with a God, you know, enthusiasm could be, you know, for you, um, you can replace God with something else, you know, yeah, like for yeah. you, it's rock climbing, yeah. you know, something that you, you're really passionate about. Yeah. And then you make, you know, connection with that idea yeah. on every level. Yeah. Like that could be your enthusiasm. Yeah. yeah right? I'd say the biggest thing when you're truly enthusiastic mm-hmm. about something and really love it for your yeah. own personal reasons, you don't go try convincing everybody else to convert to what you believe. Yeah. I don't go murder people if they don't rock climb. That doesn't right. make sense. <laughs> right. Yeah. And also, um, Another thing that I like to personally uh, mention is that the self-punishment, right? Mm. Don't reject who you are. I mean, self-discipline, you know, uh, punishment could also be said uh, self-discipline. You know, that's not a bad thing. Yeah, discipline is not punishment, though, right? Right, right. I guess what I'm saying is that it can be done in a health way. Oh, 100%, 100%. By not rejecting who you are. Yeah. 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 Don't suppress who you are. You know, celebrate it. Yeah, 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 I think that's really. Um, I just wanted to say that, mention yeah. it. You know. Build yourself, man. Fucking yeah. fill it out. Get experience. Mm. All yeah. right, we'll be back. All right, thank you guys. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.